Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the gridiron universe of the silver and black. You're tuned into Just Pod, baby. Your go-to destination for all things Raiders. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. This podcast is proudly brought to you by SportsNot.com, the unfiltered sports juggernaut. Whether you're a diehard Raiders fan or just looking to stay in the know about this iconic franchise, you're in the right place. We are the Raiders. We represent the Raider Nation. Now, here's your host, Evan Grote. Hello there, Raider Nation, and welcome back to Just Pod, baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. As always, I'm here to lead you through this journey, this journey uh, together as we discuss Raiders football. Uh, Of course, the podcast is brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am a video segment producer for Sports Not, please head over to the website and check out uh, all of the great stuff that we're producing over there for you guys. A lot of Raiders content from Scott Gilbranson and Mo Moten uh, as well. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, if you are uh, MLB, college basketball, hockey, no matter what it is, we do cover it all at SportsNot.com. So please do me a favor and check it out. Also, do me a favor and... Leave me a positive review and rating. If you have not yet done that, it really helps out podcasters and content creators. It helps us get our work noticed. So if you could be so kind uh, to do that for me, uh, I would really appreciate it. I am feeling a little bit under the weather this week, so uh, you may be able to hear it in my voice. I'm a little congested. This episode might be a little bit shorter than what you're used to, but we are here and I'm excited to be with you guys and I'm I'm glad that you tuned in again for the show. A lot to discuss. Of course, the Raiders have put together back-to-back wins now under new head coach Antonio Pierce. The Raiders... Got a a close win, right? It it wasn't always pretty, much like a lot of the Raiders' wins this year. They haven't always been pretty, but... This was a game that last year the Raiders probably don't win, right? So it's good to see that 16-12 over the Jets. Uh, It came down to the game's final play, which was that Hail Mary where Raider fans were holding their breath. Uh, Came up incomplete, much to the delight of Raider fans. Robert Spillane has really emerged as a playmaker for the Raiders defense, coming up with the the pick that kind of really sealed the deal for the Raiders, so that was great to see 2-0 now under uh, new head coach, uh, interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. They take on the Miami Dolphins this week, and, and Miami's going to present a much more difficult challenge for the Raiders. In fact, this week, the Raiders' schedule will, it begins kind of a very difficult stretch here uh, for the Raiders, which is kind of the topic of the show this week. Uh, the main topic of the show this week, I want to discuss what I'm calling a tale of two teams. Really, it's it's been a tale of two seasons for the Raiders, right? And I'm, and I'm talking about the first eight games of the year where they were led by Josh McDaniels going three and five, and now what I'm calling, you know, the second part of the season under interim head coach Antonio Pierce, two and zero, oh, they look like a different team. So. Who are the Raiders 
2023? We we should find that out. We're going to find out the answer to that question over the course of the next seven games because I don't want to take anything away from the Raiders' wins recently, the last two wins, but they didn't come against teams that are considered to be, you know, high caliber, right? Two of the worst offenses in the NFL. I don't want to take away from what they were able to accomplish, but the, the schedule does get much more difficult. So I think we're going to really find out who the 2023 Raiders are uh, in the next seven games. We're going to get into that a little bit more, of course, here in segment one. In segment two, we're going to dive into this matchup with the Dolphins. We're, we're going to um, speak with our guest this week. We've had him on before over the years. He always does a nice job for us. Alan Pupar, who covers the Dolphins for SI's uh, Fan Nation, alldolphins.com. We're going we're gonna to bring Alan on. There's a lot I want to ask him. You know, the Dolphins have not won a game against a team with a winning record, much like the Raiders. Both of these two teams this week, that uh, the Raiders and the Dolphins, have not had a win over a team with a winning record. So I want to ask him about that. I want to ask him about some of the areas that the Dolphins have struggled in those losses, and we'll ask him about some other matchups in the game as well. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Make sure you uh, stick with me until segment number two. So that's kind of the rundown for the show, but of course... As we do every week, I want to get it kicked off with some headlines from the weekend. And the big headline this week was an acquisition that was made. Champ Kelly uh, continues to stay active, signed Jalen Smith last week. And now this week, he he brings in uh, another player to help that defense out, and that is Jack Jones, who was let go by the Patriots uh, earlier in the week. And, um, you know, Jack Jones... He has a history with Antonio Pierce. We're going to get into that history just a little bit. Um, Jones comes over from New England. Played. Uh, he's played in just four games, so just a little bit about him. He's played in four games with the Patriots this season. He's a second-year player, was drafted last year, I believe in the fourth round by Belichick and the Patriots. Played in 13 games last season. Uh, six uh, PBUs, two interceptions, returned a, a punt. Uh, I'm sorry, returned one of those interceptions for a touchdown. Um, according to his pro football focus grade, I believe he, I, I saw it, I don't have it here in front of me, but he ranked 16th last year, and you can double check me on this, out of 116 players qualified at the position. So graded out really well at pro football focus last year. This is a talented kid the downside with Jones, as I'm sure you're aware, it's been well documented, is the off the field stuff. Okay, he's had trouble going all the way back to um, his days in college. Was with USC, um, was let go, was dismissed uh, at USC. Uh, I believe it was for a an arrest where he did some sort of burglary. Okay, at a restaurant. Um, and then this this past off season, he was again arrested for allegedly uh, bringing guns to a airport in Boston. I believe those charges were dropped based on what I read earlier in the week. Uh, so you know th- this guy is not an angel, right? By any means, we all make mistakes. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but we all make mistakes. He's a young guy as well. So this is a classic case of a, a guy who's talented. And you're you're willing to give him a shot um, based on that talent level, 
hoping that you can get him on the straight and narrow. And I, and I do think if there's anybody that can get him on the straight and narrow, it would be Antonio Pierce because they do have the extensive history together going all the way back to Jones's days in high school. Pierce was his coach at um, in high school. And he also was his coach at Arizona State. So the relationship is there. Now, it all depends on whether they can get this guy's head on straight and they can get his priorities straight and they can get him, you know, eating, drinking, breathing, sleeping football. Because if they can, then I think you have a a guy who's a young guy, talented player in his second year, he could be something that you could build on. For the future, you can pair him up with another young cornerback in Jacorian Bennett, who's had an up and down season. hasn't been all bad, but it hasn't been all good either. But that's what you would expect from a, another what fourth round rookie or third round rookie. I think he was taken in round three, if I'm not mistaken. So, but you have two young cornerbacks there that you can pair up together. You could try to build on them or build around them, and and you might have something there on defense. So overall. I think it's it's a worth a risk that was worth taking. Um, fourth round draft pick isn't gonna. I mean, as far as the money's concerned, it's not like a big hit to the cap or anything along those lines. Uh, so I like the move as long as they can get him. You know, again, get his priority straight. All right, so that was the the uh, headline from the week that I wanted to make sure that I got to uh, in, in the first segment of the show. Now, the the next part of this segment is a discussion on what I'm calling a tale of two seasons. Really, it's been it's been two teams, really, for the Raiders that we have seen this year. We saw the team, the first team, which was the 3-5 and five team under Josh McDaniels. Now we see a whole new team, uh, 2-0 and under Antonio Pierce. I think a lot of us are questioning now, as there's seven games remaining on the schedule, who are the Raiders? Who are the Raiders going to be in the final seven games of the season? You have to be fair. Currently, they're the 11th seed right now in the playoffs. That's not enough to get you in. They got it. Only only the top seven teams make it. So there's a lot of work to be done. But they are in the conversation at five and five right now. And so, as we start to look at the schedule, and I, I do have the schedule here in front of me, we're going to find out who this team is in the final seven games. What we saw in the first eight games you know, was not who they are today. This team is a lot different, playing much better, playing much more together. They believe in each other. There's not that dysfunction that was there under McDaniels, but things are going to get a lot more difficult starting on Sunday in Miami. Week 12, they play the Chiefs in Vegas. They go on the bye in week 13. In week 14, they're home again against the Vikings, who... Talk about a tale of two seasons, right? I believe they started 0-4. Everyone thought they were going to trade Kirk Cousins because he was playing so well despite the losses. He gets hurt. They bring in Joshua Dobbs, and now he's got them at 6-4. and So really a remarkable turnaround there. I think that'll be a tough game. Week 15 at home against the Chargers. And say what you want about the Chargers. The record is 4-5. and They've got a lot of problems. We all know that, especially on defense. But when you have an offense that can go out there and drop 35 points at any given week, I think you're going to have a shot in every game. Uh, That was a really exciting game last week against the Lions, who are a really good team. So I think that'll be a tough game. Then they play the Chiefs again in week 16. 
at the Colts in week 17 at five and five. And to end the season the same way they started it against the Broncos at home, four and five, but they are playing better as of late. The win against Buffalo on Monday night is is a good example of that. So that game, although the Raiders have owned that matchup recently, not a game to be taken lightly at all. So again, what I'm looking for this week against the Dolphins, who are a good team, and over the next five weeks is, can the Raiders be competitive against teams with winning records? Because again, if I'm being honest, you look at the Raiders' wins, they have not won a game over a team with a winning record. So again, I'm just doing some math here, and we all know this is a week-to-week league, but I'm and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but I'm just trying to play the numbers game right now as we sit here you know, at, at about the halfway point, a little over halfway. The Raiders play five more games, okay, against teams with winning records because they do play the Chiefs twice. So that, that you know, that's twice. So that's five games against a team with a winning record. If they were to lose all of those games, and who knows, they could pull up an upset. You never know. Maybe two upsets. Maybe maybe they upset uh, Minnesota, and, or, or and maybe they upset either the Dolphins or the Chiefs. Who knows? It could happen, right? Week to week league. But I'm just basing it off of the trend that we have seen this season. It's very likely that the Raiders finish the year with a seven and ten record. Uh, if they are able to pull an upset, you're maybe you're looking at eight and nine. Okay, so the question I want to ask you now is, how are you feeling about seven and ten? How are you feeling about eight and nine? Because I know how I feel about it. I've talked about it a lot before in the past. I think seven and ten, eight and nine, nine and eight. That's football purgatory. That's one of the worst positions I think that you could be in. I don't know how you guys feel about it because seven wins, eight wins, nine wins. Yes, it's an improvement from last year. Yes, it is, you know, winning more games than six and 10, which was last year's record. Considering, and you have to consider that McDaniels was the coach of the team and they started out three and five under McDaniels. But would, would would eight and nine be enough to get you excited about the future, about next year? You also have to consider that there could be a new head coach. There could be a new general manager. There could be a new vision, a new philosophy. This roster could once again be completely overhauled. We just don't know. Every new regime is going to come in with their own vision. And so I think it's possible that although maybe the Raiders show some signs of life in, in, in terms of a record standpoint, win more games than the season prior, it doesn't mean that there's going to be a lot to build on to, for next year because a lot of these guys may not even be in the building. So I think that's interesting when you look at it, right? That, yeah, eight and nine would be an improvement but it's possible that a lot of the players who are currently on the team may not even be with the team next year. So just just some things that I was thinking about this week. Uh, let me know what you think. Let me know how you think the Raiders will fare here in the next seven games. You know, I do a radio spot uh, with a guy with a with a show out in California. I do it every, I used to do it on Tuesdays. We moved our, my night to Wednesdays. Um, and he asked me about that. You know, is it, is it, you know, without raining on anyone's parade, you know, the fact that the Raiders 
have shown improvements the last two games. Did they do it against weak competition, and can they do it against better competition? So I thought you know, it would be worth discussing here on the podcast as well. Let me know what you guys think. I'm going to hop off here, get to a break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by our guest this week who covers the Miami Dolphins. He's been covering the Dolphins for a long time. Alan Pupar, who uh, is with SI's Fan Nation, alldolphins.com. You don't want to miss that conversation. Coming up next, after the break, you are listening to Just Pod Baby, brought to you by sportsnot.com. And welcome back, Raider Nation, Just Pod Baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. Please, you can follow me on Twitter.com, the X, as we're now calling it, at egrote 5 Please do that if you don't already. And also, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. Uh, also, check out JustPodBaby.com, where all of the episodes are archived. Just another way for you to catch the show. Um, it's time now, as we do every week in the in the second segment of the show, we're going to get into the opponent, who is the Miami Dolphins this week. The Raiders head to South Beach. And um, this is going to be the biggest challenge that the Raiders have had all season. I consider Miami to be uh, an elite team, despite them not having a win over a, a team with a, a winning record. I still think they're among the best, one of the best teams in the NFL. And they're going to be, and they're one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Certainly the most complete team that the Raiders have faced this season. And when I prepare for the show every week, I go back and look at numbers. I do research to try to, you know, get myself familiar with, with the opponent. We all know how explosive this offense is. This is going to be a very difficult matchup for the Raiders defense. Tyreek Hill, we're all very well. We, we know him very well, right, from playing in his time in the AFC West. There's a lot of speed. Jalen Waddell, the running backs have speed. Tua is playing as good as any quarterback in the NFL right now. I think he should be in the MVP conversation. They have the number one scoring offense in the league, the number one uh, offense in terms of yards per game. They also have the number one passing attack in the NFL and the number three rushing attack. So pick your poison. They can hurt you in multiple ways. They have multiple weapons on that offense. So I don't know how the Raiders are going to slow this team down. As well as the defense has been playing for Las Vegas, there's just too many weapons for this Miami offense. And then on defense, they're not quite as good on defense. 12th in total yards. So 12th overall defense. They do allow 25 points a game. So it's possible that the Raiders may be able to score some points. But this is a a a matchup, again, where I look at it on paper. And Miami just obviously has the more well-rounded offense. They did lose that close game to the Chiefs in Germany two weeks ago. Miami's also coming off the bye, which doesn't help. Las Vegas as well. But we're going to get into the matchup a little bit more now uh, with our guests. We're going to go out to the phone line now and bring in Alan Pupar, who covers the the Dolphins for SI's AllDolphins.com. We've had Alan on the show once before, and we're we're happy to have him here again this evening. So we do appreciate you, Alan, making some time for us. And let's start the conversation off with, you know, that narrative out there that's, that's surrounding the Dolphins right now. A lot of fans are trying to figure out exactly who the Dolphins are, at least fans who haven't watched them or followed them on a, on a week-to-week basis. We see all the speed. We, we know the high-scoring offense and 
how fun they make the game look. But when things, you know, of course, when things are going well for this team, um, you know, they're winning games, scoring a lot of points, but they've kind of faltered against some of the upper echelon teams in the NFL. And as you know, their six wins coming against teams with losing records, it leaves many casual fans or, or fans who maybe don't watch them a lot wondering how good Miami really is. And and so you covered them. So, you know, if you could, let's start there. Walk us through that just a little bit. What What, what is it about Miami that has prevented them from playing well and, and getting wins against uh, respectable teams? Well, I might take issue with the characterization of not playing well against good teams because I think they actually played a decent game against the Chiefs in Germany a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and their three losses were at Buffalo, at Kansas City, sorry, against the Chiefs in Germany, and at Philadelphia. Correct. So there are three road games, number one, against three very, very good teams, even though the Bills right now uh, are struggling. But when they play them, they got the they got peak Bills as opposed to the way they're playing right now. Um, and the game against the Chiefs, it was a game that easily could have won. The game against the Eagles, even though they wound up losing by 14, they were driving for a game-tying touchdown early in the fourth quarter before a pick, and then the Eagles chewed up the clock with three tush pushes on their way to, like, a seven-minute drive or whatever it was. So I, I – but the reality is, that, as you mentioned – no, they have not beaten a team with a winning record at the time they played, and that goes back to last year as well when they lost their last three such games. So it's definitely there. There, there are some people who use the term frauds to describe the Dolphins. I don't buy that for a millisecond because frauds would not take care of lesser opponents the way the Dolphins have. And generally speaking, especially when they play at home, they get a team who they overwhelmed with their talent and they usually spank them. Even in the case of the Carolina game, where they got behind 14, nothing in the first quarter, it was like, no problem. They scored the next 35 points. So I think at this particular, and sorry, this is a very long winded answer. But the thing also to, to remember is, is uh, the defense took a little bit of time to get going under Vic Fangio's system, the new defensive coordinator, very, very well-respected guy. And they were without Jalen Ramsey for the first seven games of the regular season. He's back in the lineup. The guys have kind of gotten more of a grasp of the defensive scheme, and the defense is coming on to the point where it might not be long where we're talking about this defense being just as good as the offense, and we've seen how explosive this offense can be. So I think this is a very good team. They're going to have to live with the fact that tag of they can't beat a good team until they actually do it. And – they, it might be a while, actually. Their next five games are against teams that currently do not have a winning record, and it could stay that way, and it could might not be until Christmas Eve when they play the Dallas Cowboys at home that they'll finally get a chance to erase that nasty thing that's hanging uh, over their head. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, and there was a lot to unpack there. You gave us a lot of good information, and, and I think you really did a nice job of you know, justifying the three losses, because I think you make a good point. I, I think they have played against some of the best teams in the league. You mentioned uh, the losses coming to peak Bills, which we know the Bills are not playing as well as they were at that point in time now. 
Eagles, who are as good as any, I would say, top three in the league right now, and then the Chiefs. And and that came down to the very end. If it wasn't for that that bad snap or, the, you know, at the end of the game there, the, the Dolphins very well could have had a chance there. So I think he did a, a great job there of explaining that. And I do have in my notes here, I went and looked at the Dolphins schedule, and I had it written down that their next five games are against teams with losing records and the next time they play a team with a winning record is Dallas. So you're right. It, it could be a while before the Dolphins are able to to uh, kind of erase that narrative that is surrounding them. And, and you know, one of the things I want to kind of expand on is you touched on the defense. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey not being with the team. Uh, he got hurt during training camp. He's been back now for two weeks. Could you just kind of go into a little bit more depth of um, what you have seen with this defense in the past two games, some of the things they're doing well versus maybe what they were doing in the previous games without Ramsey? Yeah, but like I mentioned, it's not quite as simple as, you know, defense bad, Ramsey comes back, defense good. It's not quite that simple. They were coming along, playing better and better and better on defense before Ramsey got back. And they've been very good against the run, Ever since, pretty much ever since the opener when the Chargers gashed them. But part of that was because Vic Fangio, for that particular game, kind of seemed to suggest, okay, Chargers, you're not going to beat us over the top with Herbert's passing. You can run. Fine, go ahead and run. Well, they ran for 233 yards. So that didn't work out quite as well as they wanted to. Since then, they've been very good against the run with minor exceptions. The Carolina game comes to mind. Uh, as far as the pass is concerned, it's Pretty soft coverage. They don't blitz a ton. They play a lot of zone, and they want to keep everything in front of them. The difference now is if you have Jalen Ramsey in in the lineup, I don't think it changes necessarily what they do schematically a whole lot. It gives them more options in terms of the kind of coverage they can do. They have two guys back there with Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard at cornerback that if they wanted to, could shadow receivers. They could go man-to-man in the back end and feel pretty comfortable with their cornerback's ability to cover guys because those two guys are proven. Um, so now it just opens up a whole bunch more options. And again, with that and the familiarity and the fact that their pass rush has come to life, Jalen Phillips, uh, third-year player, first-round pick in 2021, was dealing with back and oblique injuries early on. That affected his his ability to rush the passer and his overall performance. Bradley Chubb wasn't necessarily getting a ton done, let's say, in the first month of the season. Well, for the past four or five games, both of those guys have been tremendous up front. Christian Wilkins is playing great ball at defensive tackle. So, yeah, right now, like I said, to me, I don't think it's going to be long where the defense is going to be as just good as the offense. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the the pass rush there for a minute and and how Vic Fangio has not – done a whole lot of blitzing because again, as I was researching uh, for the interview, I learned that, you know, as far as their blitz percentage goes, it's only 24% right now, which is 19th in the league, but their quarterback hurry number ranks them in the top 10, which nine, in fact, and, and they have 29 team sacks, which is also top 10. So what that tells you is that they are able to get pressure and affect the quarterback without having to send extra men to do so. And of course, as you mentioned, the back end, it helps when you have guys that can cover, you know, and and the pass rush and the cover is working in unison. That's a recipe for a good defense. But as the Dolphins are now facing a rookie quarterback this week in Aiden O'Connell, 
do you think that philosophy with Fangio, you know, not blitzing a lot, do you think that changes at all this week? Do you think it's possible that maybe he looks to dial up some more pressure against the rookie quarterback? Uh, it's, a very good, it's a very good question. It's an interesting point you bring up. Um, his general preference is to not do it, and he's done it basically to throw curveballs. Uh, and I'll give you a great example of that. It was like the first game against the Chargers. They didn't blitz at all in the first half. And then they sent Cater Coe, who was a starting outside cornerback at the time, on a corner blitz in the third quarter. He wound up sacking Justin Herbert at the one-yard line on a third down, punt on the next play, to a throw the touchdown pass to Tyree Kill, and just like that, Dolphins had regained the lead. And then in the last series of the game, Again, more blitzing, which they hadn't done a whole lot. So I think he likes to throw it with a surprise effect, unlike the previous regime, which basically, I mean, you stepped into the stadium, you knew they were going to blitz. Um, as far as will he blitz more because they're facing a rookie quarterback in Nathan O'Connell? Possible. Uh, I think they may want, maybe they want to just, you know, confuse him with their coverage. This guy's what they do. Uh, you know, give them different looks and and try to affect them that way. I, I, I'm almost more inclined to believe that that's what they prefer doing as opposed to throwing a lot of blitzes at them. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like he's got options. I mean, if you can get home with your pass rush and create problems without blitzing, then you know why not keep the extra men back in coverage if you've got good coverage guys. So you could you could they probably would continue. You know, if it's not broken, why fix it, right? Uh, Alan Pupar uh, from alldolphins.com, part of SI's Fan Nation, is joining us this week on Just Pod Baby. I want to ask you about the injury report. You know, I've been keeping an eye on Devon Achan, um, did practice in limited fashion on Wednesday. W- what kind of update do you have for us on him? And is there anyone else that's uh, noteworthy that we should be keeping an eye on in terms of their status for the game on Sunday? Yeah, I, I think forget about what you see as far as limited. It would be a major surprise at this point if A-Chan was not activated for the game and was not in the lineup. So my guess is going to be he's going to wind up being listed as questionable on Friday. Again, I'd be shocked if he didn't play. The guys who look like uh, could be question marks, maybe even not wind up not playing, could you could be looking at wide receivers Braxton Berrios and Chase Claypool. Uh, have issues, and then there are two start. There, are, yeah, the two guards, Robert Hunter, starting right guard. They're very good starting right guard. Dealing with a hamstring injury, didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday. At this point, I would not anticipate him playing. And then Robert Jones, who started at guard last week, is dealing with a knee injury. Also hasn't practiced all week. Also, somebody I would not expect to play. And then you'd be looking at a starting lineup that would have guards Lester Cotton and Liam Eikenberg in the lineup. Okay. Raider fans are familiar with Lester Cotton. He was with the Raiders for a, a short Correct. time. Correct. Yep. 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 But all those skill position guys should should play, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not, we're not talking a lot about the offense because, uh, you know, it's, it's something we know how good that uh, Dolphins offense is. And I, and I do think it uh, poses a, a big challenge for this Raiders defense. I do want, I do have one more. Uh, I'm going to ask you before I let you get out of here. Um, it's a kind of a matchup specific question, you know, as we're kind of previewing this Dolphins and Raiders uh, game, uh, I'm sure you're aware the Raiders have also not won a game versus a team with a winning record. 
so despite the the change at head coach and quarterback, you know, with the Raiders, you know, they they have been able to take advantage of some of the weaker teams on their schedule, but the Dolphins, as I've said, present a much bigger challenge for Las Vegas. In your opinion, if if the Raiders want to find success offensively, you know, with the personnel that they have, again, a starting rookie quarterback, you mentioned the the struggles that the Dolphins had earlier in the season against the run. Where, where do you think the Raiders' offense should look to attack? Where would the, the current weakness be of that Dolphins' defense? That's a very, very good question. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time looking at this Raiders' offense and seeing Josh Jacobs running wild. Uh, but I was like, yeah, so... I think maybe if the Raiders can protect O'Connell and, you know, Adams finds a lot of spots in open in zones, uh, I think that, that might be their their best path to some success offensively. Um, I, I, I like Again, like I said, I have a hard time seeing Jacobs. I know he's coming off his first 100-yard game of the season against the Jets, who – are excellent defensively, though not necessarily against the run. Um, and the Dolphins, I'm trying to think the last running back who gave him a really, really tough time. And uh, nobody's coming to, you know, the top of my, of my, of my head. I, so I, I think, yeah, I, I think it's O'Connell, you know, pulling out the best game of his young career. If the, the Raiders are going to, going to have a chance in this game, Dolphins have scored a lot of points. When they've been at home, um, trying off the top of my head, I think 31 is their lowest output. Scoring wise, at home, I have a really hard time seeing the Raiders being able to match that. If I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, no, no, I think it's I think it's very fair. It looks like you're you're right. This one could be put on the shoulders of a young rookie quarterback going on the road, traveling east, which sometimes can be very difficult for West Coast teams. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if the Raiders can get it done. It's, it's going to be uh, their biggest challenge of the season. But, Alan, we thank you so much for the time. We appreciate all of your insight on the Dolphins. And uh, I hope you enjoy the game on Sunday. Take care. And uh, thank you again for coming on with us. My pleasure, Evan. All right, there he goes. Our guest this week, Alan Pupar, uh, giving, uh, giving us a nice little rundown there on the Dolphins. He seems to think that if the Raiders are going to have success on offense, it's going to uh, have to come from the passing game. A lot of soft zone coverage, as he said. Will Aiden O'Connell be able to find some of those soft zones in that Miami defense? As far as their run defense goes, he says they're playing much better as of late. I'm looking at the numbers right now. 106 yards allowed uh, on the ground per game right now. So you know that the the Bo Hart degree is going to want to get things going with Josh Jacobs coming off that 100-yard game uh, against the Jets, we'll see if uh, Jacobs can get it done again this week versus Miami. But that is going to do it for this week's show, everybody. Uh, I appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, Take care, everybody. I'll be back again, same time, uh, same place next week. And until then, I am your host, Evan Grote. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And as always, just win, baby.